You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Good morning, or good afternoon, and maybe, maybe we've been we've oh, been no. down this road before. We don't really good know. Good night. <laughs> maybe, we don't. <laughs> maybe you listen to this uh, in your bed. You could be. I don't know. Uh, we'll pray for your insomnia. But hopefully yeah. we help you fall asleep, but not because we're boring to listen to. We don't know when you are listening to this podcast, but regardless or irregardless, I don't know if that's, that's a, word a word or not. I think that's debatable. Not we're not going to get into the debate right now, but we're glad that you are listening to our podcast. We do appreciate you taking out of your God-given valuable time <laughs> to spend some time with us. Yeah, thanks. And we got to just spend some time together recently. We went to a men's conference, which was quite good. Impactful. Impactful. And I got, I'm got i wearing the hoodie that I got there. He so is. It's he's, actually not a hoodie. It's a sweatshirt without a hood. He's wearing the merch. It's I'm wearing the merch. It was very good. We went to Rhema Bible Church for the Men's Called Arms Conference. And they had some good, solid teaching, some good speaking. And uh, some good eating. <laughs> that sounded good right there, man. We did. Uh, so here's the backstory. We, the group that went to this men's conference is definitely not as passionate about their opinions as the man that I'm sitting across the table with. And he's made this statement more than once to me for over a year that raising canes is better than Chick-fil-A. Now, Chick-fil-A has a hedge around it as a Christian company right. and people defend it. <laughs> and he just drops this bomb on us saying it's better. I did say that. So, well, I feel like I said that, but then in the in the van I said, "You know what? That's an absolute to say that it's absolutely better." He's practicing what he preaches. I'm trying to practice what I preach. So I said, "In my opinion, it's better." Yeah, thank you. You did take a home. But um, you guys all ate there. And you uh, unanimously. Unanimous. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be try that again. I'll let you try that yeah. again. Come unanimously, on. Unanimously, everyone voted in favor of, of Raising, Raising Canes. Canes. And let me just give you this pro tip at Raising Canes. Forget about the coleslaw yeah. and take the opportunity that? to get another slice of Texas toast because Seriously. that's where it's at. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll give a quick disclaimer here. As far as selection, like like the amount of things that are on the menu, Chick-fil-A wins hands down. And one other area that Chick-fil-A dominates is customer, customer service. service. Absolutely. But when it comes to quality of the chicken, the juiciness, the breading, and let's say the sauce. I and know Chick Fil A sauce is Chick Fil A sauce is good, but the raisin cane sauce is on a whole nother level. It is when it just comes to quality of what you're eating. It's got to go to raisin canes. Got to go to raisin canes. Well, I'll let you decide that for yourself. Go to Lone Tree, Colorado. There's a few. There's a few raisin canes in like Westminster and whatnot. Or you got to go to Zona, or you got to go to Oklahoma. Yeah, there's other places. But recommend it. It's a great eat. Yeah. And Can so a lot of our fellowship was centered around the eating at the men's It conference. was. And John's and first time at a hibachi. 
I had the first time at Hibachi, which was a great experience. They didn't even toss. The they didn't toss anything. To My you, pastor though. tossed something to me. <laughs> yeah, a little more forceful than I expected. <laughs> hit me in the face and fill out another person's plate. They rejected to eat the shrimp that hit my face and landed on their plate, but we had a good time nonetheless. Are One you of the best venues for a birthday? I would think it was pretty fun. I admit it wasn't your birthday, but we still had a lot of fun. We did. And can we have some fun on this podcast, my yeah, man? Let's do it. Let's jump in. You already saw the title. It's Youth of the Nation. Really? Uh, we we feel s- are, we are. Youth. Youth of the Nation. He was waiting for me to sing, but I'm going to defer to his that strength. That stands because- for, well, that song was from P.O.D. Mm-hmm. P.O.D. was really popular in the early 2000s. It's true. Stands for what? Uh, I don't know. This is trivia. Payable on death. Wow. Isn't that cool? We're learning tons of stuff. We're (laughs) already raising Kane's 90s rock band. Meaning of their band names. Yeah. Payable on death. Okay. Good. I'm I'm smarter now. Go for it. Uh, But disclaimer, if you are a youth or you have a heart for youth of a different nation, this podcast (laughs) still will apply to them. Uh, If you're wondering why in the world are we talking about youth of the nation, I have some reasons why. First off... Uh, our youth are facing so many difficulties. If you look at even going through COVID, yeah. youth suicide was up. Depression, youth depression yeah, is up. Absolutely. I saw a study and it said that 20% of youth 12 through 17 age experience major depression, not just slight mm-hmm. depression, major depression. That's two out of every 10 students are majorly depressed, diagnosed. How many mm. kids aren't being diagnosed that are still dealing with this? I don't even want to know. I mean, I should probably want to know. I want to pray for those kids. What I'm saying is there's a need. <laughs> there's a need. There's a need. Here's another one. We've all been youth. Well, maybe That's you're maybe you're a preschooler listening maybe to this podcast. Maybe you're listening to this and you're uh, just learning the walk. That's <laughs> awesome. You're probably <laughs> sitting on your mom's lap. She's listening to our podcast. She's been a youth. We're all been in a stage of life where we've been through this time. And maybe even hearing about ministering to youth and how to deal with youth uh, can help you process some of your past. We've all been there. That's what I'm saying. And with that statement, we've all been there. That's especially true for Pastor Jonathan and I, because we've both been changed by a youth ministry and we've both been youth ministers. Yeah. Um. Jonathan, yeah. across the table from me, was a youth minister for like 10 years, yeah, right? 11 years. 11 years. He was actually my youth pastor when I was a senior in uh, high school. Yeah. I served in his youth ministry, and now I took the position after he moved on mm. to the next thing God That's had for him. torch. So our life has been shaped mm-hmm. by youth ministry, both being in it and also leading it. And I'll just say this. I mean, a lot of People may not necessarily see the need for youth ministry or you say, hey, my kid comes to church with me, but they don't go to youth with, you know, I don't bring them to youth. I'll just say this, that my life would be dramatically different if I had not been in youth group. And we're going to touch on this in right. a little bit, but it's it's catered to that generation and we make things understandable and palatable in a way that they they understand. And I, I don't want to hijack your podcast, but I'm just saying youth group is essential. Youth targeted ministry is essential. And I hope out, out of listening to this podcast, you get that sentiment. You get that 
experience that we've experienced out of youth ministry. And some of you are going, I don't have kids. Um, I was a kid, but I'm not anymore. So I'm thinking I'm going to skip to another podcast. Don't do that. Stop. Because I believe to some degree, we all have a mandate to minister to youth. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, if you're not a youth, you're go you're one of your target demographics is youth. Sorry. <laughs> and the reason I say that is even in the Bible in the book of Titus, Paul tells older women to help and teach and train the younger women. Mm-hmm. And often our generation is the generation we want to minister to because we can kind of get in on some of the experience. I've experienced this. I'm a young adult and sometimes doing young adult things are more desirable because I can actually participate in the action that I'm leading. And we want to be with people that are of the same age range because we understand them more and it's current to us. And I even see this in the youth group that high schoolers want to be with high schoolers. And if they have to be around middle schoolers, they don't want to be around (laughs) them. But really we have more authority to minister to an age range younger than us. Yeah. Because we've been there, we've done that, we can speak from a different spot of authority because we've gone through those experiences, but it's not always the most desirable to our flesh. Yeah. And I'd say this, this podcast is called Youth of the Nation. The fate of the nation really hangs upon the next generation. And here's something I've said before, but whatever has the most time wins and whatever is the loudest wins. And right now, culture and media is what is really the loudest and that's what's influencing and shaping our youth and you got to think like when those of us who are older when we when we go when we pass the torch what are we passing it to a generation that is defined by Lil Nas X let's hope not I hope not I pray for him though I'm actually gonna I don't pray for him I should right now in right the name now. of Jesus we pray for <laughs> little Nas X and there's a mandate upon godly older generations to instill righteousness to teach righteousness to the younger generation because the fate of the nations is really hanging upon them and i just want to say this um your mother i heard her say this before we started one of our devotion times at work which i thought was really interesting and i heard it from my father just in the past week and that's your mom said she hated being a kid yeah And my dad said, I hated being a kid. But both of these people I know have a huge heart for children. children. So, so many of us have struggled and we know what it's like growing up and not feeling equipped and not feeling loved and how to navigate this. And we can either run so far away from that or we can run to it and help those who are going through what we've already gone through. It makes me think of what God told the children of Israel. When they actually got into the promised land, he said, don't forget what it's like being a slave because you were once a slave. Mm -hmm. Don't forget what it was like being a foreigner because you were once a foreigner. And I think if we can listen to this podcast and remember, we all didn't go through childhood unscathed. There's growing pains for everyone. And if we can remember that, hopefully we've learned from those experiences. And if we can share that, then we're fulfilling our God-given I think direction from our master to give what we've already received. So what is youth ministry? Jonathan already kind of talked about it. It's, it's ministry to people. It's just ministry, but it's curtailed to that age range. And really just for some clarification, you might be hearing youth and thinking like five-year-olds. I'm talking really middle school and high school students is what I'm kind of focusing in on. Yeah. 
the tweenagers. The tween. Well, I did say tween. serving. I don't want to. I don't want people to think like uh, we're there to just uh, cater to their needs. But actually, we are there to cater cater to their spiritual needs. And mm-hmm. you think it's not just about oh, whatever you want, whatever you need, I'm going to get it for you. No, it's serving up the truth, serving up what God says about them, bringing those, you know, bringing that stuff and instilling it into them. Mm-hmm. So I know I just said serving and I was like, oh, I better, I better clarify. Uh, I like to promote some resources. If you do have a heart to minister to youth students, I uh, learned from this youth pastor in San Antonio, Texas, and he recommended this book. It was really awesome. It's called Your First Two Years in Youth Ministry by Doug Fields. Really awesome resource. And maybe some of the things I mentioned will be from that. So if you're interested, I'd recommend that. But we're going to talk about some how. We're going to talk about some applicable things. I don't believe this has to remain in the confines of a youth meeting and a youth team. I think it can just deal with any of our... Your own kids. Your own... Any interaction with a youth age student, these are principles that can help you. When you want to yell at them at the skate park. Who doesn't want to yell at a kid at a skate park? (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're digressing. That's not the heart we want to have to this podcast. I'm going to start off. This is uh, from me. I went, started serving in a youth ministry at a very early age. And my first how is you can't be them to change them. And I think I might have a little bit of a different view than... Pastor Jonathan across the table, but I'm I'm looking at my time in youth ministry and the impact I had and looking at old social media posts and I have tossing embers from an open fire at other <laughs> students, laying down and allowing students to jump over me with their scooters and their bikes, which is cool. But I was so concerned with being considered cool with them and being like them. And I think this keeps a lot of people from ministering to youth who would be very impactful in a student's life because they go, I can't be like a youth student. I'm I'm a boomer. They're Gen Z. They make fun of me on social media. I don't even know the words they use. I can't be like <laughs> them. But trust me, you don't have to be like them to help bring the change that God wants right. to bring in their life. I, I'm thinking about it now. Maybe I don't disagree with you as much as you think. Um, there is an aspect of being able to relate. And so... I know you don't want you you don't engage with what they're doing but you got to know here's the thing there like when I was in youth there were so many references and so much slang that they would use and part of me felt like I I needed not to use the slang but at least needed to know what they were saying um and understand some of their references otherwise you're just so far gone that they're like I don't even know. I don't even know this guy. How how am I going to wait? Let me say this. Sorry. <laughs> I'm processing and spitting out this information all at once. I'll say this after being in youth ministry. Cause like my first few years, I was all about catering to them and trying to be the cool guy. And later on in my years, I stopped caring about that as much. And I got out of youth and then found out that some of those kids who I thought, man, I didn't even relate to them, how much they respected me because I wasn't trying to be just like them, but they actually respected what I had to say and who I was. And so you won't know that sometimes you're always like, I got to be like them. I got to be like them. I got to be like them. But I think, um, there is a, a desire in their hearts to really find someone to look up to. Mm -hmm. And you can't look up to someone on the same level. 
I'll say that. That's a good way. And Sorry, it, that was a big no, it's okay. word vomit there. That people listen to okay. hear our conversation. Okay, good. And I appreciate you being vulnerable and we're processing through this. And I'm processing it as well because some of these students that were jumping over me while I was laying down with their scooter and I was laying my life down on the asphalt for them to jump over me with their scooters and bikes. One of those students, I had to help officiate his funeral. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking if I could go back and take the things that I did with them, I mean, just being really real, what moments really mattered? And would I replace some of that time with some time of not trying to connect in childish ways? And here's the biblical distinction, childlike and childish. Mm -hmm. So if we can remember what it was like to be a child, the pain, the difficulty, the growth that had to happen, the hurt, the need, and we can remember that and connect with them in that, we don't have to use the counterfeit childish things to try to connect with them. You gain a... You minister out of a proper perspective yeah. when you can gain the understanding of what yeah. it was like. So you kneel down to that level to get perspective, but you don't stay there. Well said. We could probably belabor this point and go on. Yeah, for, going, I think sorry. we have some other highlights that we can bring out of this. Proceed. Uh, this was one that's just fresh <laughs> on my mind because don't assume maturity. Yeah. I feel like so often I... I just take how I speak to an adult and assume their knowledge of issues without ever asking and knowing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt led to minister the Lord to a youth student just last Sunday. And I sat him down and I was just trying to share the gospel with them. And I was getting a good point like, yeah, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. Do you believe he died on the cross? Yeah. And I said, do you believe Jesus is God? No, God (laughs) is God. (laughs) I was like, all right, I got some work to do here. So even if it's your own child, don't assume they know what you know. Don't assume they know your heart. Don't assume things. On a very natural level, assumption is the lowest yeah. form of communication. Yeah. And if we're leapfrogging over certain yeah. levels of maturity be- because we just don't know, it's good to yeah. take a reading of your children, your youth students, know where they're actually at. And it will help you not get nearly as frustrated and disappointed because disappointment comes from an unfounded expectation. So you go in there not you have uh, you have a certain you know, an idea of what what their maturity level is but you've never really actually assessed it so it's an unfounded expectation mm-hmm. and you'll get frustrated when they don't receive from you when it, a good youth minister or just anyone who's in, trying to engage with youth you're going to take the time to see where they're at mm-hmm. and then you can speak to them at that level yeah and you can get an artificial nod and an artificial amen but what good is that if it's not producing a change in their life. It's better to know where they're at, meet them where they're at, to bring them to where God's called them to be. Uh, another one here. Make sure things are caught, not just taught. Uh, knowing in my life the things that have helped me stay faithful to the Lord in the long haul, it's definitely what I've been taught. But there are specific moments of what I experienced with God in the presence of God that are preserving me and keeping me this day because I experienced something with God. So as a parent, make sure they experience. We're a church that's all about not just the word of God, but the spirit of God and his specific impact that he can have in an experiential way on someone's life where he confirms the word. And We call them Holy Ghost services. We call them times at camp. But I know even Pastor Jonathan, the reason he went to Bible school and the reason he stayed faithful can you share that in a real brief way from what happened at a camp? Yeah. Um, 
it was a camp with Aaron Hankins, which was Mark Hankins' son. If you got, if nobody knows who he is, I'm not assuming that you know who he is. He's a he's a big time minister in the evangelical circle. Anyways, he came and he uh, said, "Does anybody here have the you know the call to ministry? Um, I want you to I want you to come up." And I did not want to go up, and I was battling with it and fighting with it. And my youth pastor at the time, Steve Reed, came up to me and just said, "Are you sure that's not you?" And he kind of gave me a little nudge, and I went out there and just bawled, just laid on my face and cried. And then after that, rejoiced, ran around the room, knew what I was called to do. But that happened in those times, and yeah, I mean, that changed my life. I just re- is that the right story? Yeah, that that's the, thank God he gave the right story. <laughs> but I'm about to talk about the time at Walmart. I was just looking at people who were serving on a youth team with me and had stayed through difficulty and all of them had a similar story of what kept them in it for the long haul. So as a parent, as a youth minister, as someone who relates to students, don't just focus on the teaching, make sure they're catching on to an experiential knowledge of God along the way, because they have to work together if you want to live a life for God. Um, Here's one that I put, the world will do the world better than the church. Again, it kind of goes back to you can't be them to change them. So many times we use only the tools of the world, and I don't think the church can do the world as well as the world. Mm -hmm. They can try to package it differently, but if it's worldly, the world's going to do better. But if we can give them the things of God, uh, that's something the world can't offer. So I'm not talking about not being relevant. I'm not talking about not being cool. I'm not talking about not being fun, but I am talking about being the church because the world can't do that. And I, uh, it's a fine line, but it's, it makes me look in my heart and going, am I trying to be the world in this? And then just package it as Jesus. Because that just seems artificial to some people. Yeah, I think some of the most life-changing things offered in the church and, and through a relationship with Jesus are some of the most controversial and things that we don't want to highlight and exploit. Mm. Um, and I don't know wow. what your background is, but... You know, we believe in speaking in tongues here at this church. We believe in moving of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit and manifestation. And sometimes we're, those are the things that will change someone's life the most, or the things we want to hide the most, um, because the you know the the Bible says that you know the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. And so there's aspects of it where we think, man, they're going to just think that we're stupid. Well, they're going to think that anyways. But at the but also like tongues is a sign. To the unbeliever. unbeliever. And so the very thing that we think is going to steer them away might be the very thing that draws them in. So we can't be ashamed of the full gospel. And that's what we're generally considered here at this church is a full gospel church. We're really not trying to exclude things. That's good. Um, I just think I've heard again of some young adult ministries having like keg parties. And I just can't imagine a church keg party being as good as a keg party at a yeah at a worldly institution because you're trying to balance and navigate and not get drunk. You're not going to kill a keg party and no part of our church is doing keg parties. That's what I'm saying. But in an exaggerated way, that's the principle I'm making. We can't do the world as well as the world, but the world cannot even come close to what the church is. So let's really learn how to relevantly demonstrate what the church is. And I believe that's going to have the biggest impact on the youth. Um, another one, encourage exercise. Um, again, the youth minister from 
San Antonio said this quote to me. It stuck with me. His youth group is growing and large and they see a lot of change. They see a lot of evangelism. And he said this to me, he said, John, students are overtaught and under challenged. And the amount that he challenges his students in giving and evangelizing is amazing. And I am amazed at how competitive students can be. Mm-hmm. And to leverage that, to leverage serving a purpose, being competitive for the right things, compelling each other for good works, uh, to challenge them. I mean, so often we teach big things and I'm speaking to myself and then I'm like, yeah, but they're only youth students. Well, that's going to come across in how I minister. Mm-hmm. If I if I teach the power of something and then go, yeah, but I can't really expect you to live it. No, raise the challenge to the level of the message. That's good. And one thing I tried to do, especially more in my later years as a youth pastor, was always give a next step or an action step. A lot of times we talk and we say, yeah, this is what you need to do. But like you said, we never challenge them to actually do it and giving them action steps to bring back. You would call it spiritual homework. I know kids hate homework. But uh, it's a way for, it's a next step. Even in school, homework is said, all right, you're in the class setting. That's great. But go home and apply this and then show me that you get it outside of, you know, outside of the four walls where the, there's the smoke and the lights and the presence of God. Go home and apply this in your life and then come back and, and, yeah. and, and see, you know, show me that you can do it. So giving them, challenging them, giving them next steps is actually a really good thing. And not just, and this stuff isn't just applying to youth ministers and being in the church, but in life, if you feel called to minister to someone and you go, go have coffee with a youth student or go have lunch with them, don't just end that meeting having talked to them, just talking to them for 30 minutes, give them a next step, follow up with them, challenge them to really do what you're saying. Very good. And I left this one as the last one. And this is the last one we're going to touch on is family first. Uh, nothing ministers to the youth more than a family that is connected and growing with God. Don't just support the youth students, support the family. And I remember looking at really fruit that has remained through the youth group and students' lives. And the majority of the youth that have stuck with it, I realized it wasn't just our influence as a youth team but they had a family around them that really supported them. So it's been on my heart. I'm not super knowledgeable, but if I really believe that, and our church does value family, we put our time and attention and resources. That's one of our core values. Uh, I can't just see the student. I've got to see the whole family. And I can't try to fill the place of the family. I need to support the family in whatever way that looks like. And we do have some students who don't have a good, strong family structure. With that, uh, we have to do a little bit more, but ultimately, uh, I don't find anywhere in the Bible where there's specifically mentioned youth ministry, but I do see a lot about family. So I need to bring in attention to the whole family and regardless of what their parents are doing in the moment, the commandment with the promise, the first one with the promise still is there to honor their father and mother. And they're going to hear that in my preaching. They're going to te- hear that in my teaching and they're going to hear that in my challenge. And am I challenging that kind of culture? Because I can't really have a lasting ministry, I really believe, outside of the family. And to learn to be thankful for troubling and difficult parents at times, because there's parents who can be very passionate about their youth. And I either can leverage that to help me, or I can get bitter and angry about that. And uh, that determines a lot. So not just supporting a student, but supporting the family the best way I can. 
Yeah, I would say this. I think if there's any generation that is really good at spotting a fraud, it would be this, you know, what we would call Gen Z. Um, and even what's the next gen? Now there's another generation now. Gen Y? I don't know. I think it might be Gen Y. Okay. But I just think about, you know, these kids can spot a pair of fake Yeezys from a mile away or fake Air Force Ones. Uh, you know, they understand what Photoshop is. They know and they're actively looking for what's real. And they can see that in your own life. And so there's the cliche term, you know, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? And kids are really looking for something real um, these days. And I know, you know, when I was in youth ministry, you know, you could say from the pulpit, you know, whenever you need me, man, you guys call me up. And then at two in the morning, you get a call and then you have a decision. Am I going to walk the walk? Because I talked to the talk on Tuesday night and it was great. But now this kid needs me at two in the morning. Am I willing to go drive to, you know, the res in rifle and pick this kid up? And there was times when I didn't want to do that, but that would ring in my ear. Uh, you say, you, you mean th these kids are watching your life. And so being actively involved and walking the walk with them. And so it's not just about giving a kid a good message or a, a, an encouragement, a little word of hope, but it's about actively being involved in their lives. And when they need you, you're there. Well said. Uh, two last encouragements from the word of God. First uh, Timothy 4.12 says, do not let anyone despise your youth. And if we're going to help lead students, let's not despise the youth of the nation and our youth. Let's not lowly esteem them. That's not, let's not look down on them, but let's help lead them. And lastly, the greatest king of Israel wasn't Solomon or David. It was Josiah. So there was no king like him before or after. And he started his reign at the age of eight. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. Well, it's eight. It's, I just, I know who I was at eight years old. And I would, I wasn't fit to even clean my room so things that challenge us things that might make us laugh <laughs> <laughs> but let's think about those things jonathan what's your wisdom of the day <clears throat> um well it's hard i mean a lot of these things were such good points you want to try and kind of wrap them up into one big point here um well i would say this that um you if you're not a youth you are uh, i mean I would say you're called to minister to youth because of the, the importance on the next generation being instructed in righteousness. Um, there is a mandate upon your life um, to minister to those who are younger than you. I love that. Uh, again, yeah, there's a pull to not minister to those who we will have the biggest impact with. Um, and I see that often because we want to even we want to be with someone else, but often the people that God is calling us to reach, may not be the ones that look the most desirable in the moment. Uh, mine is family first. And I just really believe that God's calling. That's the spirit of Elijah to call children back to their fathers. And I don't want to get in the way of that. I want to help support what God's doing in the earth in this time. And even as a youth team, uh, I want to build a youth team that looks like a family. I've served in a lot of youth teams and just the way more young people want to help with youth, but then you have a bunch of brothers. But if a youth team can look more like a family with people that are father age, people that are grandparent age and people that are brothers, even the youth ministry will look more like a family. 
and we are the family of God. So don't just minister to the youth student, minister to the family. Um, we pray us out, man. Hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully you enjoyed that. And hopefully you have a greater heart for the youth of the nation. That would be a sweet time to cue that outro. I know. I was like, man, I almost don't want to, <laughs> I almost don't want to pray. That was sound like we should end it right there. But God, you'll provide a way to end this should, podcast. We should, we should pray. Father God, we thank you um, so much for who you are and who you've called us to be. Father, I thank you that each and every one of us, I pray that each and every one of us would understand and realize and accept the call, the mandate to minister to those who are around us, especially the ones who are coming up, Father God, because um, like we've mentioned a few times in this podcast, it's crucial to the success of where we're going um, as the church and as this nation, Father God. So we want um, the, the next generation to be instructed in righteousness and to grow in a relationship with you. And we are directly um, tied um, to their destiny, Father. So I thank you that we would um, take these concepts and these um, these uh, principles and be able to apply them in our encounters with um, the youth, Father God, and we would see them as you see them, um, uh, children of uh, God that are full of potential. And it's our job to help bring that potential out of them. So I thank you that there's grace to do that, um, that we could uh, dwell with them with understanding <laughs> and uh, help them grow. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we'll see you next time yep. on the Sewing and Growing Podcast with Jay and Jay. Have a great day. <laughs>